You're listening to the Our Eerie Podcast with Devonna Paisley, Marty Wachuku, and Lydia Laith. We're here to highlight community voices and bring new perspectives to the table. We are unpacking Eerie's and America's baggage. We're speaking truth to power. Take a seat. Welcome back to another week of Art Airy. Um, today you're with Marty Wachuku and Lydia Leith. Um, Devana is um, not feeling well today, so um, I hope to send her well wishes, people. So, yeah, um, positive vibes. Mm-hmm. Doing the description, I'm an African American woman living in Erie. Today I'm wearing my hair in an afro. I um, am wearing glasses, and in my background, I have a tapestry mm-hmm. and a sweet flannel. Tis the season for flannels. Uh Uh, And this is Lydia Leith. I am a 28, 28-year-old white, blonde, blue-eyed woman uh, with a blue tapestry behind me. I'm in a – I feel like I look kind of like a – I don't even know what. uh, But I have like a white-collared shirt under a sweater, so I feel very like preppy or comfy or I don't even know. Um like stepmom lesbian cozy chic 90s movie yeah <laughs> i love that description send me up with that <laughs> that's an aesthetic uh it's it's my constant aesthetic so if you ever need tips let me know uh-huh. um, yeah so we are just coming off of i don't know how many days you had off for thanksgiving but like a multiple day thanksgiving break so we had some time to recharge how are you feeling marty I'm feeling recharged. I um, I went home on Thanksgiving and stayed until um, yesterday. I, you know, got to see my family. We kept it nuclear, given what's going on. Um, and then I got to see two of my college friends. Shout out to Nerea, who listens to the podcast, and Christina um, on Saturday. I hadn't seen them in years. Oh, wow. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and we spent hours just catching up and... Christina threw down and made some dishes. Naria made some blondie chocolate chip cookie type things. And I came empty handed because I was running late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's me. I'm sorry, y'all. So, yeah, that was my Thanksgiving break. How about you? Yeah, uh, Benji was in town. So Buster's uh, son, my stepson, was in town. And so we got to hang out. I uh, was just telling John before we started recording that – Benji's new thing is like he's obsessed with being thick, like T H I C C. Like thick. Apparently, it means like strong, kind of like bulky, strong. And um, it's from like a cartoon or something. There's some like cartoon that he watches that like the kid is like says he wants to be thick. All I don't know. Anyway, I don't question it. I try not to overthink it. But (laughs) the the shenanigans that was happening in our house were ridiculous. Benji could not stop yelling thick boy (laughs) around our house and he and Buster would like take their shirts off and have thick boy battles and like it was just nonsense and like chest bumping and it was just the silliness of like the seven-year-old and and my husband it's just crazy um so unfortunately sad news I'm not a thick boy I asked (laughs) many times um apparently i am a thin boy so when i would ask benji would be like "Mm -mm, thin boy so i'm a thin boy it's the first time i've ever felt offended to be called thin because i was like i'm not thin this is not accurate and also i really want to be thick 
and I want to be a thick boy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, I wasn't part of Cool Kids Club, but they had a really good time. Uh, we had Thanksgiving at my mom's house, and uh, Buster's sisters were there, so that was really nice. And um, yeah, we just hung out again, you know, just immediate family, um, and had all the 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 regular stuff. But it yeah, it was nice, laid back, and then we just watched TV after you know all weekend and just really relaxed, spent some time not doing anything, which is a first for Buster and I, because Buster used to work weekends and I've been campaigning for the last, you know, year or so. So uh, it was nice to just totally unplug. Yes, to rest. Yes, to rest. Mm -hmm. That that sounds amazing. It sounds like a really nice weekend. (laughs) Boy! (laughs) (laughs) So I got, I got some, some, New Year's resolutions for 2022 already in the books. Definitely, I'm, I'm going to try to become a thick boy. Um, I don't really know what the parameters are, uh, mm. but we'll figure it out at all. I'll keep working towards that thick boy energy. But <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so uh, so yeah, so Thanksgiving also. I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge, especially in the space that we've created before around talking about um, indigenous rights and the importance of understanding our history that uh, Thanksgiving is a very upsetting time and that it's, it's not just all about, you know, gratitude. And although I think it's beautiful when we can take time to really give gratitude to, to ourselves and to the people around us and to the things that we have, but that Thanksgiving also represents a really horrific time in our history and in our modern time as well, the, the, the genocide of the indigenous American people and, um, and this the continued disrespect and and lack of acknowledgement for those people's experiences and so uh so i i think that that's just important to acknowledge i also think it's important to talk to our kiddos about it and i had mentioned before that uh on thanksgiving i had a conversation with benji about thanksgiving and and kind of the the duality of it i think for kids it's it's important to like be honest but also to say it in ways that like make sense to a kid and and don't like traumatize the children. Uh and so we talked about how the story of like the the happy pilgrim and Indians that got along because those are the words he was using is Indian and pilgrim and I wanted to kind of help him connect to things that he understood from school. And so I I said, you know, the that story of the pilgrims and the Indians is is not really accurate that we get told, you know, that they weren't best they weren't friends and that in fact the the pilgrims were pretty mean to the the Native Americans. And and he was like, well, Lydia, how do you know that? Like, how do we know that that's true? And I said, well, that's a good question. You know, it's because that the original story that we're told about how they got along, that's really from the perspective of the pilgrims, that the people that came in, they were kind of bullies and they didn't, they weren't very nice and they didn't take care of these people. And, and they really were, were really mean and they were bullies. And when when they got to tell the story, they told it really nice because for them it worked out really great. And so when bullies tell stories, when bullies get to tell the story, which happens a lot in history, when the bullies get to tell the story, they don't tell the full truth. Um, and that the only way that we know that that's not the truth, especially for history that's far beyond our own like living recollection, um, is because we talked to the people that that weren't the bullies or the the victims or their survivors. And so I said, you know, it was when we talked to the Native Americans, when we talked to those people and we heard their side of the story, that's when we knew that like the story that we had been told was not the truth, that that was not accurate. Um, And so I just think just planting those seeds with our kids is just so important to to not only 
understand our history and, and the complexity of it, but to um, to ask questions and, and to consider other perspectives and, and start incorporating multiple perspectives into their understanding of life and history. Because that's that is, I think, what makes us better humans. It's that's why history is important. That's why we should be learning history. It's not to know oh who won this battle or what happened at this date. I think what's really powerful is when we can incorporate all these different perspectives on the same event and say, okay, yeah, this is how it worked out for this person, but this perspective, you know, th these experiences can all vary for the same event and, and understanding the humanity of it all. Walk through me with my train of thought, because you all know whenever I talk, I have an idea and then I get lost and then, but work with me. So the other day I was listening to a podcast that my brother, my um, boyfriend listens to called Time Suck, and they did a big episode on the Oregon Trail. And this guy does a great job. If you can, if you have time to check it out, um, I listen to the podcast on Spotify. It's called Time Suck um, with Dan Cummins. And he does, for any given subject, he gives you the political background of what's going on in the times, why people are moving the way they are, why the decision makers are doing certain things. So before we even get to like the experiences of what was going on in the Oregon Trail, he laid out like the US policy that was happening at the time. So why my brain was going here is because when we're having, when you had that conversation um, with Benji and you're trying to teach him now like a whole different perspectives that are happening, I feel like history as it's taught to us is all from the lens of our policymakers who try to convince us this is good, this is the way it is. We've gotten our history is the US policy of the past that was natives should know their place and manifest destiny and it's our right to go out west. Mm -hmm. um, and I think right now, part of why we're so defied that there's a lot of reasons why we're defied as a nation is that we're lacking that ability to look at different perspectives. Um, right now, um, we have policymakers. It feels very disconnected that things are not actually working to serve everyday people, but yet they're there every day making decisions. So what history is being made right now? And we'll, we'll see, um, later down the road, but I guess all that is to say it clicked up in my mind the other day that history is all just U.S. policy or policy. It's policy written down that eventually gets a story told around it. And then it influences our current policy. That's where my brain was going. Sorry to bring ah. up. I just wanted to get it out there. No, I think it's so important. I think you're so right, though, that there's and uh, maybe I've talked about this before, but right. My dad, right before he died, he was working on a book called um, Haunting the Past. Mm -hmm. And um, he was talking about how like the the intersection of memory, history and dreams and that he makes a lot of different points, but like this whole point that history is just collective memory, but depending on who's writing the history, it's a certain collective memory. But if we're to told something long enough, like it becomes our memory, like we can have like the Mandela effect, right? That like if enough people hear something or believe something that we start to believe that that's the truth, even if it's not. And so um, there's just, yeah, there's so much power in in what we have deemed history as being this like, objective truth when really history is so subjective i mean it's so much more than dates and and events and people i mean it's you know who what people are we remembering who aren't we talking about who did we exclude from storytelling and and i think sometimes we have 
forgotten the fact that like just because we don't talk about these people in that time period does not mean they didn't exist mm -hmm. like just because those like certain people were not in our history textbooks does not mean they didn't exist in history so whether we're talking about transgender people or or gay or lesbian people or people of color or indigenous people like just because we're not talking about them in these historical contexts doesn't mean they didn't exist in these spaces i mean we've talked about like with black indians um and i'm sure we could dive into like all these different subgroups or even like women you know and and that these people existed in these spaces it's just that historians or, or historical writers or like you said policymakers didn't want to acknowledge that they existed didn't want to include their perspective or their stories at the table so they didn't um i mean yeah we could make a commentary about how that happened with the bible too you know that there was a lot of people that said like there were female apostles that were never included in in the canonical books of the bible because that was not convenient to the to the you know patriarchy and and the you know i don't know yeah, the hierarchy that existed back then. Right, right, right. I mean, it's just wild. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's why it feels like when you said that history is memory. That's why when we talk about um, being reflective of like the names we use for schools and and saying like this person committed mass genocide, let's not highlight them anymore. Or um, when people say, get over slavery, it was like, well, <laughs> that was two generations ago. I sh it feels like historical gaslighting. Like you have the memory that this had a huge impact and it really affects things now, but people are telling you, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I didn't think about history as shared memory. It makes sense. Yeah. I love that. I love that historical gaslighting. And I think that the more we can make these sorts of connections, I've always loved comparing um, like, uh, colorblind racism or like other forms of like um covert racism as like forms of domestic violence within like that uh within a like racial context right that like we do these same things where we say like well i don't see color or like oh that's not like you're taking this too you know seriously or i was just joking or yeah like to your point like we'll get over it like that was so long ago like these are the same behaviors that we would not accept in other contexts that we are perpetuating in 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 this like racialized context that are just inappropriate. Like they're just not appropriate ways to communicate with people, whether or not you agree or you understand. And I think this is the part where privilege comes in is like, regardless of whether you can personally relate to an experience doesn't mean that that person's experience is not true or valid or real. And, and we get so disconnected from that. Um, I think particularly around race because it's such a touchy issue for people. And I think it just has to do with a lot of lack of accountability and, and lack of maturity when it comes to just like ex acknowledging an issue exists without like personalizing it mm -hmm. and saying like, okay, yeah, I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to feel bad about the things that happened in the past, but I can still take a responsibility for my role to play right now. And I think people can't do that. Too many people get bogged down and like, that was horrific stuff. And uh, if, if I acknowledge that I'm connected to that issue, then I have to take on that burden. But like, we don't have to, like, you don't have to take on the, the issues of like the past that you were never involved with, but you do need to take responsibility for what's happening now. And the, the results of those things that happened in the past. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's, it's complicated. People don't always make that connection. Yeah. And wouldn't it be better for it if we just laid it out on the table and said, this is for a lot of Native or Indigenous people, it's a day of mourning and acknowledging that, yes, we enjoy having dinner and getting together with family, but this is also the same right. um, 
holiday that a lot of people feel pain around. Like, right. let's right. have we those conversations. Both. We yeah. can do both. I mean, like, how many people? How many people have lost someone and grieve the loss of of a loved one and experience both grief and gratitude at the same exact time? Yeah. I lost my dad, and I I was broken that he was gone but I was so grateful that he existed like so we are capable of having multiple feelings even sometimes conflicting feelings within us like why can't we as a country or as a community acknowledge that we're capable of having multiple I can still feel grateful and I can still enjoy time with my family and I can still at the same time know respect and understand that people are grieving and and like we all should be grieving for like the losses that have happened in, mm-hmm. in the spaces we occupy. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's it's so interesting too, because those same people that I think push back against acknowledgement for indigenous people are the same people that say like, well, you should like respect the sacrifice that our service members make. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, respect the sacrifice that these people made, you know, and or respect the sacrifice that police officers make. Or, like all these people that like they have, I guess, decided, deserve their respect. Like, but that you wouldn't say like, respect the sacrifice that our army or like our service members make, but now never acknowledge like the gratitude you have for your own family. Like we can do both. We can respect the sacrifice that people have gone through. We can respect and and honor the grief that people are experiencing or the sadness or the the trauma that people have experienced and still also have joy and an, an entire range of emotions for our own lives and experiences like there's not a scarcity of compassion or feelings in the world like it's so weird we like we can all feel our own feelings and that's okay yeah that's a, that's a challenge to push people on i don't know <laughs> i don't know why those things just don't connect for a lot of people i was thinking about that this morning on my way to work i don't know what made me think of it but i i was thinking about the the mask mandate and mm-hmm. how people have been so bent out of shape about it. And like the therapist brain in me was like, well, that's just like basic distress, distress tolerance, distress tolerance. So in certain theoretical frameworks for therapy, people will work on developing distress tolerance skills so you can tolerate distress, right? Like in our lives, we will all experience some form of distress, whether that's stress at work or grief or loss or mental health struggles. Like we will all experience distress at some point. And a lot of our issues come from not being able to tolerate that distress because we don't know how to regulate our own emotions, regulate our body, regulate our thoughts, Um, because these aren't skills that are taught to us. We're taught how to do long division, but we're not taught how to regulate our emotions, especially if we come from certain areas of privilege. Um, Wait, slow down for one second. So you're saying distress tolerance is us, our ability to adjust to stressors. Is that it? Yeah, to tolerate stress, basically. And so there's lots of different skills you can develop to tolerate stress, right? Whether that's self-soothing. So finding something that calms you down, whether that's a smell or a feeling like having something soft to wear or having a cozy blanket, like physically soothing yourself. That can also look like counting to 10 or taking deep breaths or doing some of the like mindfulness that we've talked about and done on the podcast before. Um, uh, or, you know, another distress tolerance skill is like making it fun, right? We don't like to have to wait for uh, 
I'm just thinking like my own childhood. We don't like to have to wait outside the restaurant for a table to be ready, especially when you're a kid and you don't know how to just like stand and wait calmly. And so you could play Simon Says as a way to make the time pass and have fun, right? You can make it a game. You can make it fun. Mm -hmm. um, or like with the mask example, like getting a mask that you like that has like your favorite sports team's logo or something cute, right? Like that's making it fun. It's not that you love wearing a mask now, but it's like, okay, I've made it fun. I've made it more enjoyable for me, even though I still have to wear a mask that's like not my first choice, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so many of us were able to either like make it fun or another one is like put it in perspective, right? Like look at the bigger picture and see like how this is not the end of the world. So many people don't know how to do these things. And so it's it's not necessarily... And maybe this is just a good practice for myself to like have just a little bit more grace for other people that struggle with this. But like, this is them lacking the skills to tolerate distress. Mm. Distress is something as small as like putting a piece of cloth over my face uh, that they don't know how to tolerate that. And, and that if we can, as a community, build up some of those skills, then maybe we wouldn't experience all these same issues, whether it's distress at, at wearing a mask or distress about talking about race or distress about talking about sexism or like any of these things, right? Like the discomfort, our inability to withstand any sort of discomfort is a problem that we need to, to address because we're, it's not getting any better, right? We're, we're only sinking deeper into our own social media bubbles. We're only becoming more comfortable in our own way of living where I can... I had a friend today at work. She said that she ordered something on Amazon. It got there two days later. Like we have no ability to withstand any sort of discomfort, right? We don't have to wait for anything. Immediate gratification is like all around us for everything. And that's not healthy for us. We live in the future. Like, yes, we don't, we can't teleport and we can't immediately just have food made for us and have a robot wash our dishes. But <laughs> instant to gratify we're an instant gratification culture mm -hmm. from things you i mean you listed it all i'm literally just about to repeat it but you're right that disconnect from our community because we we can just go online now and we can just email each other and we can just call each other that disconnect from our food because we just go to the store and we can just order it delivered the disconnect from our educate all of it has right. kind of it shifted i like i'm literally trying to rewire my brain right now to be okay with moving slowly, to be okay with like not being responding to things, to be okay with waiting right. and learning how to garden and all these slow things. You right. have to relearn it. We're not, we're far from it. No, but that's like the way we're supposed to operate. Yeah. <laughs> like in these more natural rhythms. And yeah, we're so not used to it. And it's, uh, yeah, I think it's a skill we could all practice. So maybe that can be for you listeners at home, <laughs> uh, you know, to like figure out what's a distress tolerance skill that I can start like trying to focus on and try to learn for myself. And and uh, maybe I'll I'll make a graphic or something with a list of all the, the skills that you can practice so that you can look at that. But what uh, is yours or are some of yours? I think making it fun is my biggest thing. Like anytime that there's any sort of, of uh, discomfort or having to wait or things like that, like I'll make it fun. Um, I think talking to people, that's another one that I think is connecting with other people, talking to people. So whether it's discomfort at my own feelings about certain things, um, like talking it out, I think is really powerful. Mm -hmm. I think the big picture one, like I mentioned, you know, that when I look at the discomfort, even when I have like really big issues, when I look at the big picture, I can like kind of take a step back and calm down just a little bit. I think I've talked about this before, even like going outside and staring up at the sky and watching the wind blow through the grass, like understanding the world is still moving. 
like, I will figure this out. It'll be okay. Um, but yeah, there's so many different things we can do. Um, and that's the power of therapy too, is like therapy can give you the space to mm-hmm. talk about these things and learn them and, and, and hone those skills so that you can be better in the moment uh, on your own and you don't have to fall to pieces when, when these issues come up. I feel like you just clearly communicated because therapy is one of those things like meditation for me where it's like I get why people do it and it makes them feel good but no one is really clear how it helps and you just kind of in that Mm. last second there expressed why so someone if that was the nudge someone needed please do it (laughs) yeah please do and that's what I say all the time is like therapy is not for getting all the answers from people although you can learn a lot like therapy is just about giving you the space to mm-hmm. like practice those skills or talk it out and like reason it for yourself like you have all the answers inside of you you know what is right you know what is good you know what you need just like your body knows what it needs all the time for food or life or breath or you know uh water but like you know what you need emotionally and mentally you just have to give yourself the time and space to get it and it, and in a world that is rushed where we have immediate gratification and instant answers and the ability to google whatever we need it can be really difficult to say, oh, I need to take time to practice this skill. I need to take time to find out what works for me. I need to take time to process what's happened to me so I can move on from it. Like it takes time and it doesn't get instantly better. And sometimes going to therapy, it gets a little worse before it gets better because you have to unpack all the shit that you've packed in for like the last 20 years. Uh, But you have to stick with it. And when you get through it, it just like everything gets better. It, It does. It absolutely does. And it's not because of some savior as a therapist coming in and helping like it's it's you like you have the power to save yourself you just have to give yourself the time and space to do it anyway i'll get off my are you now star (laughs) (laughs) anyway i i know we said this was gonna be a short episode but uh all righty well marty any parting thoughts any words of wisdom how do we summarize this little short episode You know, we can hold two emotions at once. You can be grateful for family time and great food and hold that, you know, Thanksgiving is a day of mourning. Um, Therapy exists to help you figure out how to learn, how to take care of yourself. Um, And yeah, that's all I can really remember to say right now. And thick boy. And thick boy. How about you, Lydia? Yeah, no, I think that you summarized it. You summarized it perfectly, Marty. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate you and creating this space because to me, this is a lot of times like my therapy too, is like a secondary space to process things and talk through things to remind me of like the power that we all have and and the reasons we do things and and fight for what we fight for. So, thank Same. you. Um, I forgot the term you used for the the distress. Yeah, the- distress tolerance. The stress tolerance. Mine is asking questions and thinking through things with people. So mm-hmm. you, John, and Devon are definitely that for me. So thank y'all. I am grateful for y'all. I love it. Well, we'll see y'all next week. Yeah. See ya. You've been listening to the Art Eerie Podcast. Community voices unpacking Eerie's baggage and speaking truth to power. You can continue the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Art Eerie Series. Music produced by Light Shadow. We appreciate you for listening to the Our Eerie Podcast. Until next time, take care of yourself. Keep fighting the good fight. Peace.